Well, Father God, I thank you so much for the presence that's here. I thank you so much, Lord, for the souls that you're saving and the testimonies of healing and freedom that you're doing in lives. And Lord, we bless you. And I pray, Lord, as I speak this word tonight, that you would speak through me your words of life. And that this would be not of myself, but as the Holy Spirit is speaking through me. It would go out as living seeds of truth that will be sown into good, fertile soil of hearts and minds. And Lord, that your Holy Spirit would water the seeds tonight and cause them to take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. And Lord, we bind away any hindrance to that. As the Bible says that Satan tries to steal the seed of, of the Word of God. But we bind that away. And Lord, I thank you for taking your Word and letting it have in our hearts and minds retention. That it's not just something we hear and then walk out and forget. But Lord, it really takes root in us. And let your truth be burned into our hearts. Let your light of revelation shine. And Holy Spirit, rest in this place in a greater way. And I pray, Lord, even as I'm talking tonight, just a fresh anointing, people be filled, refreshed, strengthened, receive from you, receive an impartation. We bless you in Jesus' mighty name. I just feel in this atmosphere, just as I'm praying, I'm not just saying this, I feel healing. So I just, I, I speak right now healing into people's bodies and destroy anything that has to do with sickness. That it be cursed and die and I break it, it leaves in Jesus' name. If anything's causing it, it goes. And Lord, I thank you for life and healing and health and strength being released right now. Lord, in this atmosphere of fresh anointing people being strengthened in Jesus' name. I'm actually doing part six of a series. I've been dealing with revival. And you guys love revival like I do. Love the move of the Holy Spirit. And so I've been doing a series on a church in revival, a church birth in the fires of revival. And tonight I'm going to be dealing with part six, and it's releasing the kingdom of God and operating in the supernatural. But what I wanted to entitle this was the powers of the age to come. So as Hebrews 6, 5 says, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. I just love that phrase. I just... That's something I remember from years ago. I always loved the phrase, the powers of the age to come, or the powers of the coming age. I believe that that is speaking of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which I'm going to deal with later. Okay, The gifts of the Spirit are awesome. Let me tell you the importance of impartation. Romans 1.11 says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. The way that can be translated in the Greek, and this is the way I prefer it, it says, I long to be with you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that will take you to a place of strength. That's actually how it's translated. And it reminds me of the phrase I, I say to you guys many times, because when I was young in the Lord, I was about 19 years old, there was a man that was prophesying over me, and he spoke over me then, he said, the anointing. He said, the anointing that's in you is mature, but you're not mature yet. But he said, the anointing that's in you will mature you. And let's put an emphasis on this because a lot of people don't understand this. And there's a lot of churches and ministries that are getting away from impartation and laying on of hands, the altar ministry. But one of the things I've heard from, I've heard this probably more than I've heard most things. 
I've heard from many people several times that have been around. They say, I've grown fast spiritually here. I, I, it's just weird. It says, I, I've grew more here in a short amount of time, like six weeks, than I've grown the whole time I was saved. I've heard people say things like that. And I'm going to tell you this, that has nothing to do with me because all I do is just preach what God gives me. But what I'm saying is this, I do believe that it has to do with impartation. I do believe that. I believe that when people receive an anointing into them, that anointing begins to mature them and strengthen them and change them and teach them. And how many knows the Holy Spirit can do things in, in a day that would take a lifetime without Him? And so the anointing that's in people is taking people to places quickly. They mature quickly. They learn quickly. They're strengthened quickly. And I've seen that God, by the Spirit, has healed people of things. And I was just talking about this the other day. You know, that there was a young lady we know that is part of our ministry team. But she had gone for years and spent, I mean, thousands of dollars, but years had gone to all the secular counseling, had, had gone through the drug rehab and the, the AA and all of that. And then whenever she came to Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit healed her from incurable diseases, delivered her, set her free, broke all... She was diagnosed with eight mental illnesses and on medication for all Totally destroyed that. She was set free. And there's a lot of testimonies like that. But the Holy Spirit can do in a moment what people cannot do through years of counseling, what doctors can't do, you know, what AA can't do, the Holy Spirit can do it. And so if people will allow the Holy Spirit to move, He'll change lives. But many people are now moving to a place to where you know, the saying they're a little too big for their britches and they've gotten a little too big for their britches now and they're, all they're cared about is all they care about is just what is people going to think of me what's people going to think of the church we need to have a good reputation we don't want to be known as that weird church or, or hey you know that church they want to be known as the weird church they don't want to be known as a place where people fall down or there's manifestations they, they don't want that they want to have a reputation in the community and they care more about that. And what's sad is, is you're seeing this, and it's not that uncommon. You're seeing that if the Holy Spirit starts moving, that they will relegate that to some back room somewhere, out of the view of anybody. And listen, you know, this is a good analogy for this. I love my wife, I'm proud of her and all that. But what if every time people came over, you know, I stuck my wife off in the back room? Let's let's uh let's talk, let's go into marriage counseling right now. Just, just flowing into that. What if she did that to me? What if every time her friends or different people came over, she wanted me off in the back room, which sometimes she has. But I'm just kidding. Actually, not yet. It may may happen. With all seriousness, what if what if you had a friend or somebody that every time people were around, they wanted to hide you somewhere? How would that make you feel? And see, the church now, it's like some people are ashamed of the Holy Spirit. 
And every time the Holy Spirit wants to move and do something, they want to relegate him off to a back room because they're ashamed of it. They're ashamed of what he's doing. And every time the gifts of the Spirit start to manifest, start to move out, they want to shut that down and quiet that because they don't want to offend anybody. Listen, the Bible says that tongues is a sign for the unbeliever. And I love the phrase, the powers of the age to come, because the gifts of the Holy Spirit have a power in and of themselves. There's been many, many times, and you guys will attest to this, that have been around Pentecost for a long. You know what I'm talking about. Where a service will be one way, and then all of a sudden there will be a message in tongues, interpretation, or prophecy that will come forth. And as soon as it goes out, it's like electricity just explodes into the atmosphere. That's the power of the gifts of the Spirit at work. That's kind of what I want to talk about. I'm going to go through some things about the kingdom of God. Then I'm going to talk about prayer. And then at the end, I'm going to break down the gifts. But listen, we need to move in the supernatural. And there's a real division that's happening right now. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of the remnant that is moving with the Holy Spirit. Because I believe that there is a remnant in the earth that is moving with this last day revival. And they're winning souls and they're operating in the power of God. And things with them are moving back to the book of Acts. But you're seeing a whole nother movement that has nothing to do with what God's doing. It's a whole nother movement though among the body of Christ that is catering to what man thinks, what pleases man. To preach things that's not going to offend anybody, just water it down. And, and it's, a, it's a movement, but it's not of the Holy Spirit, it's another spirit. And that movement's going on in the earth. But I want to be in the flow of what the Holy Spirit is doing. And right now, that's not the most popular place to be. But there is a coming great awakening that is beginning in America. That when it is fully ablaze, which may be over the next couple of decades, I don't know. But when it's fully ablaze, I guarantee you that a lot of these churches that have been man-made stuff, man-made ministries, I'm just saying churches, ministries, people, individuals, whoever, that it's all about man and pleasing man, they built their house on sand. And when it crashes, it's going to crash hard. But those that have built their ministry on biblical principles, they're going to be able to stand and be a new wineskin that will hold the move of God. Now, I don't want to get too much bogged down on the past, but some people haven't heard this prophecy. So real quick, Dr. Cho prophesied that God was not reserving America for judgment. And I was mixed up on the, the date of this prophecy because I've heard different dates, but it was actually the early 90s. I even heard some people say that it was prophesied decades before, but they may have been referring to different prophecies. But he prophesied in the early 90s. He said, God has not reserved America for judgment, but... He said there's going to be a great revival hit America. He said it would begin and it would burn like a match head. You guys ever lit a match and it's real bright and intense at first? He said it would burn like a match head in Pensacola, Florida. Then it would move 50 miles west. Which you're seeing that now at the Bay of the Holy Spirit revival. 50 miles west. Then he said it would move into, into Louisiana. Then it would go up the east coast. Then it would come across down into southern, the west coast, southwest. I'm assuming that's southern California. 
He said then it would go up into the Pacific Northwest, and when it hit there, he said all of America would be ablaze in the fires of revival. And then Ruth Ward Heflin prophesied that when America does come ablaze in the fires of revival, that Dallas would be the hub of the revival. Okay. And there's been ministries, very powerful ministries, over the last couple decades that have been relocating to this area because of the significance of what God is going to do out of this region. And I believe that this area will be a hub of revival that will affect all of America, but it will affect the world. It will affect the world. So this is in the works, and that's what this series is about, is getting ready for revival. Okay? And in this series, let me, let me go ahead today and, and start out with the importance of prayer. Every revival is birthed in prayer. We just, we just looked at the videos about the Hebridean revival. But, you know, what birthed that revival is the same thing that's birthed every revival. It is true intercession that moved the hand of God in that area. And they interceded and they cried out and God heard. And revival came. The same thing is true about every revival. The Azusa Street Revival, Frank Bartleman was one of the intercessors, but he, he prayed and fasted and was so earnest about his prayers and so earnest about his fasting that people felt his friends and family thought he was going to die because he was just under such a burden of intercession and they would warn him to be careful. But he kept crying out, kept crying out for revival. And William Seymour came to that area and he would pray like five to seven hours a day, crying out for revival. You see in the pattern? Same thing in every revival. Edward Miller and his group before the Argentine revival broke out. So prayer is the key. Individual and corporate prayer is the key. The Brownsville, Brownsville revival, they prayed and fasted for two and a half years before the revival broke out on Father's Day. They sought God. They cried out. They had areas where these prayer, they called them prayer banners. It was just kind of like the, the prayer posters we use, but it was just an area where they would pray for different things. And they were, he said, Pastor Kilpatrick said, around the banners that had to do with revival, he said you would hear the most groaning and travailing and in intercession around that banner. God was birthing something. See, what people got to understand is you see a revival break out, and people think, oh, that's awesome, you know, but they don't understand that it was conceived. You're, you're looking at the birth, but it was conceived in intercession somewhere. Somebody somewhere was praying. So Jesus went from a place of prayer to another place of prayer in his life. Think about it. Jesus went, everywhere he went in ministry, there were major moves of God that would happen in his ministry. Well, we would consider major outbreaks of revival. Okay? But the disciples watched his life and they saw that he was such a man of prayer. Now, let me read this to you. It says in Mark one thirty-five, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left his house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Of course, Peter and them came and interrupted his prayer time. Even Jesus dealt with that. But the disciples watched there was such an outbreak of the supernatural through Jesus' ministry. And I promise you, this is just me speculating, but I promise you that they, they were watching Jesus and they were trying to figure out what is the source, what is the secret to His power. You know, what, what is it that is making there be such a flow in His ministry? 
And I guarantee you that they concluded that it was prayer. Because you read about it in Luke 11 that they went to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. They saw Jesus would go off by himself and have all night prayer meetings. Rise up early in the morning and sneak off to pray. But this is what Jesus said, and this can only come out of prayer. Jesus said, I do what I see my Father doing, and I speak what I hear my Father speaking. And that can only come out of a life of prayer. Amen? That was how Jesus ministered. And there was a flow there because He would flow with the Father. What are you doing? What are you speaking? And He would get into that flow. But He had to be in tune with the Father. I did a study years ago on what is it that was the common denominator with every person that was mightily used of God in church history. What is the common denominator of all the different revivals? And I found that it all came down to prayer. Catherine Coleman would sneak away in prayer. All of them. You know, Catherine Coleman, there was a story one time, you know, she would just get alone with the Lord and soak, and she said that every time before a crusade that the Lord would baptize her in the Holy Spirit and fire fresh for that crusade. But one night when she was under a mighty anointing praying, and she would pray from the pulpit and people would be healed in the audience. And they had to sneak her out a back way. They were in a hotel. And so after she was done praying for people, I'm sure people all over the platform under the power, they snuck her out the back way and she had to go through the kitchen. And as she walked through there, those people in the kitchen were hit by the power of God. But another thing about Jesus' ministry was not just that He was a man of prayer, but also He walked under an open heaven. I don't have a lot of time to talk about an open heaven, but an open heaven is a personal thing. It's something that I believe or there's an opening above people that are really walking with God. Okay, It's an open heaven. There's an opening. The skies are open. People that live in sin, they live under a brass heaven. It's heavy. It's it's over them. They feel like when they pray, their, their prayers hit the ceiling. But people that are living righteously and, and walking with God, there's an openness where they can talk to God and there's a free communication and a presence of God. There's an open heaven. And Jesus said this to Nathaniel. He told Nathaniel, I saw you under the tree. You know, and Nathaniel said, wow, you truly are you know, the Son of God. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. You're going to see greater things than this. He said, you will see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So Jesus walked under an open heaven. See, an individual and a group of people like this ministry can have an open heaven. Where there's an open heaven, it's easy to pray. It's easy to worship. The presence of God is there and miracles happen. Where there's sin... And there's strife, and some some churches and ministries are full of strife. Where there's strife or there's sin, the heavens will brass over and there's a heaviness. It feels difficult to pray, it feels difficult to read the word, it feels difficult to grow spiritually, and it's hard to worship and it's oppressed. But Jesus walked under an open heaven and ministered 
under that open heaven. And I'm telling you that you can minister under an open heaven. And even though other people may not have an open heaven, they can come up under your open heaven. That many times is what is actually happening at these different crusades. Uh, maybe a Reinhard Bonnke ministry or something where he goes out. Because those people are coming in, they're lost. But they don't realize it, but they come into an open heaven where they're in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit will convict them of their sin. Just like we, you know, Duncan Campbell was talking about, there was a, a young man that was crying out in the altar and all of a sudden the Spirit of God moved into some dance and they all got convicted. And they ran toward the church like somebody fleeing from a plague. But whenever that, the, that revival broke out on, in the Hebrides, the heavens opened and the presence of God invaded that island. And when the presence of God came, all of a sudden people that were, weren't right with God were convicted. It's so important that the Holy Spirit moves in that way. Because a lot of people that are coming from full gospel backgrounds, they have good convictions, okay? But if you don't have the Holy Spirit moving and convicting people, a lot of times, without meaning to, people start browbeating and coming down on things, and it, and it can be almost legalistic. But whenever the, and I'm not saying you shouldn't preach against sin, because actually I do preach against sin and I believe in it, okay? So I'm not going there. But I am saying that some people, they're, they're always like browbeating like that. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, He'll convict people. It's just like you, like on the Isle of Hebrides where all of a sudden the Spirit of God invaded that place and all these people were convicted. Remember it said that like five to 700 people were drawn into that church and they're sitting there going, this is 11 o'clock at night. Nobody told you that we're having church. Why are you here? And their response was, we don't know, but some kind of a supernatural power made me feel like I was going to hell and I knew to run to the church. That is the power of conviction. And when the Holy Spirit is moving and convicting people, then all you got to say is, look, you know that you got sin in your life, come to Jesus, and people are just drawn. They're drawn by the Spirit of God. Jesus said there were angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Can I just stop there for a minute? We need the ministry of angels. Now, let me just point out that the Bible says in the book of Psalms that God encamps His angels around those that fear Him. So how many of you have a healthy, godly fear of God in your life? Okay. Then that means, according to the Bible, that there's angels around you. So, when you come into God's house and we all come together, there are angels here. There's a listening to me preach. And I'm being serious. They are listening to me. And while we're worshiping God, they love to worship. They're worshiping God with us. They love the presence of God. When the Holy Spirit comes in this place, they're refreshed too. But here's the thing about the angelic. The angelic takes orders straight from heaven. And if you're moving with God, if you're really moving with the Lord in a service like we should be, and from the pulpit, I'll give you an example. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says there's healing breaking out. And you move with that and you say, right now, healing is breaking out. What people don't understand is many times, angels are released that are praying for people. 
Many times during the altar, whenever you're laying hands and praying for people, people don't even see them. But the angels of the Lord are going through there praying for people as well. This is good. This is important to know. Listen, I want the Lord to surround my life and ministry with His angels because there's protection and there's an added level of power and authority with them working with you. There just is. And Jesus said in the last days would be, He said the end of the age will be the harvest. And He said the harvesters are the angels. That's what He said. So what's happening is in the last days, the Lord is releasing His angels out there and they're gathering in the harvest and they're protecting that harvest so that the devil's not able to get it. Alright, another thing. Jesus was a window of heaven releasing into the earth. Let me say that again. Jesus was a window through which heaven was released into the earth. And we should be too. You know, we should be flowing with the Lord to where our lives are like a window through which heaven is being released into the earth. Remember this. Jesus said, your kingdom come. He said, pray this way that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how is it in heaven? People aren't sick in heaven. People aren't in poverty in heaven. There's not problems like that in heaven. In heaven, there's abundant provision. There's health. And so whenever you're saying, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you're praying that what is in heaven be released in the earth and change the earth. See, we use the word supernatural, but what you've got to understand is break down that word. It means superior to the natural laws. God, when He invades a place, He moves in a way that overrides every natural law. The doctor says, there's no way that can happen. And Jesus says, well, here's what you... Okay, here it is. Boom, there, you know. <laughs> Somebody says, there's no way we don't have enough food. And all of a sudden, people pray. And Jesus says, now you've got plenty of food. Supernatural multiplication. It goes against the laws of nature. Jesus was a window through which heaven came into the earth. That's why he would say things like this. You remember many times Jesus said, the kingdom of God is upon you. Think about what he was actually saying. See, a lot of times people read that and they don't understand what the Lord was saying. He was saying, as it is in heaven, now it's come upon you. The kingdom of God has just come into your house and into your life. Jesus said that. He'd walk into a place and say, you know what, the kingdom just came into your house. He said, I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Matthew 16, 16. Simon Peter answered, Lord, you're the Messiah, the Son, the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed to you, Simon and Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. I tell you this, Peter, that on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Of what? The kingdom of heaven. I give you the keys. Keys have to do with authority. The owner of the car has the keys. The owner of the house has the keys. It's authority to open and shut. That's why he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
You have to stand in your authority and use your authority. Jesus said very clearly in Mark 16, These signs will follow them that believe. In my name you will drive out demons. You will speak in other tongues and you will lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, He said you'll be supernaturally protected. If you drink poison it won't hurt you. If a snake bites you it won't hurt you. I'll supernaturally protect you. There's authority. The problem is, is that people are not rising up and using their authority. Because when you use your authority, you listen to me, you are actually releasing the kingdom of God into the earth. You become a window. And as you use your authority, heaven invades. The atmosphere of heaven invades. Sickness dies and leaves. It flees as the kingdom of God comes in and brings healing. Demons flee. But you have to use your authority. The way you use your authority is you use it in the name of Jesus. But let's be practical about it because a lot of people hear this. Well, what do you mean by that? Okay, you're praying for someone and all of a sudden you realize there's a demonic spirit. You use your authority. See, a lot of people pray, you know, there's a demon manifest. They say, oh dear Jesus, help. And Jesus is saying, no, I already did it at the cross. You do it. And so the Lord is waiting for you. Do you remember the story of Moses when he's at the Red Sea? Help! You know, and God said, you lift up your rod of authority. You do it. And I can just hear the Lord saying that so many times. People sitting around going, Lord. And Jesus is saying, I've already paid for it on the cross. I paid for that person to be delivered. You now, in Jesus' name, out. And you use your authority. And when you use your authority, then the kingdom of God will move in and take over where the kingdom of hell once was. Same thing with sickness. In the name of Jesus, I curse that sickness, die. I break it out of this body in Jesus' name. Be healed. The kingdom of God comes in and drives out sickness. But you've got to use your authority. And it's not just a matter of power only. The power of God is the dunamis of God. It is like electricity. Okay? You probably have felt it's explosive. You get prayer and you feel the power of God hits you. That's power. But what you've got to understand is that it's a completely different thing than authority. Authority is the word exousia. When you use your authority, then the power of God is released to enforce it. But if you don't use your authority, it's hindering. Do you see what I'm saying? When you rise up and use your authority, that's when the Holy Spirit begins to back you up and flow in power. And I believe with all my heart there's many times that the Lord is wanting to have outbreaks in services where somebody would get up and by the leading of the Spirit would speak out and use their authority and it would break out in service. Whether it's healing or deliverance or whatever. And as a Christian, automatically by default, you have a certain level of authority in you. Just automatic. And as you begin to grow in Christ, and the Lord can entrust you, your authority level starts going up. But regardless, just the fact when you're born again, there's a level of authority in you that you can lay hands on the sick and then recover and drive out demons. It's just there. 
But Jesus said it's there for those that believe. So you've got to believe it when you pray. So what is the introduction to the power of God coming into somebody's life? It is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I gave several scriptures. Let me read you some and I'm going to get... Is it okay to get just a little bit deep? hasn't been too deep yet. We talked about prayer and open heaven being a window. Listen, I want to be a window for heaven to flow through. I really do. Do you want that? I want to be able to take authority and all of a sudden the power of God moves and things happen. Matthew 3.11 says, this is John the Baptist. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he's prophesying. There's one who's coming after me who's more powerful than I whose sandals I'm not fit to carry, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, when the baptism in the Holy Spirit comes, once you're, I'm going to read this, I'm going to point out some things in 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6. This is actually kind of a deep revelation I want you to get. The Apostle Paul says there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. So you see gifts are connected to the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. So you see service connected to Jesus. There's different kinds of working, but the same God. So you see workings connected with God, and I'm going to break that down and explain it. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the initiation, if you will, into the supernatural aspect of Christianity. Somebody gets born again and the Spirit of God lives in them. They're different. Their DNA changes. They're born again. But when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, they're clothed with power. They're filled with the Spirit and they begin to move into the supernatural. Tongues begins to flow. Maybe prophecy begins to flow. The gifts of the Spirit begin to operate in their life. So there's three baptisms. I'm going to go through this quick because I want to get to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, there's a baptism into Christ. 1 Corinthians 12.13 says, We are all baptized by one Spirit into one body. The Holy Spirit takes somebody that's a new believer and baptizes them into the body of Christ. They're born again. The second baptism is water baptism. And I use 1 Corinthians 10 because I want to show you something. It says they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. That was a typo for some of you. It should read in the cloud and the sea. The cloud represents the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the sea, water baptism. But let me show you something. I say this all the time, but water baptism is powerful. It's very powerful. And it does not send you to heaven, okay? But I'm going to tell you it's powerful. And when you look at 1 Corinthians 10, it says that they were baptized into Moses. The children of Israel were baptized into Moses through the Red Sea. The same water that baptized them was the same water that shut behind them and destroyed the enemy that was chasing them. And it's the same water that separated them from Egypt, which is their past. There's a power in water baptism to help destroy the enemies that are trying to chase people from their sinful past into their Christian walk. There's a power in water baptism to help separate people from their sinful past. There's a power in it. 
And it's a fact that people that follow through with getting water baptized, there's more stability in their Christian walk than those that have. I remember hearing somebody say that in one of these great revivals. He was saying he was the pastor. He said, I've seen the pattern of those that's been water baptized are more stable in their walk. And he was encouraging people to get water baptized. You need to follow through. Because there's a power in it. So the first baptism is into Christ. The second baptism is in water. But the third baptism is into the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you into the Holy Spirit and with fire. So the first baptism, the Holy Ghost takes you and baptizes you into Jesus. The second baptism in water, me and you take people and baptize them into water. But the third baptism, Jesus takes you and He baptizes you in the Holy Ghost and fire. When that happens, there is a clothing of power that comes on your life. That's the introduction. Luke 24, 49, Jesus told him, He said, Wait in Jerusalem. I'm going to go and I'm going to send what my Father has promised. But wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. Acts 1, 8, He said the same thing. You'll be clothed with power. But He said also, you'll be my witness. So here's the things that... You know, somebody gets saved. They're different. Somebody gets water baptized. It's wonderful. But as soon as they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden this power comes on their life. They're filled with the Spirit. And now they start moving into the supernatural aspect of Christianity because now they have a supernatural prayer language. The gifts of the Spirit are at work in their life. And now when they pray for people, it's not just something that is from their heart But when they pray and when they use their authority, now there's a power that's clothed them that is releasing through them. There's an operating in power now. And the Apostle Paul said this. He said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's not in word only. But he said it is power. He put an emphasis on power. See, the clash between good and evil, the clash between heaven and hell, the clash between the forces of Satan and the forces of God, it is a power clash. And whenever somebody is baptized in the Holy Spirit now, the gifts of the Spirit begin to operate in their life. So let's break down the gifts. This is a really, to me, it's a really interesting study. Because there's gifts that are from the Father, there's gifts that's from the Holy Ghost, and there's gifts that's from Jesus in the Bible. And not a lot of people know this because they don't hear it taught. But I want you to think about tonight as I'm going through this, what giftings do you have? I want you to think about that. Because I want, when I stand before the Lord, I want to be a faithful steward with what He's put in me. I don't want to have a gift in me somewhere that the Lord looks at me and goes, well, you did really good, but there was this gift in there that I wanted to use you in and you never did. I don't want that. I want Him to look at me and go, every gift I put in you, you you operated in it. When you get born again, you're baptized into Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. 
It's not the clothing of power that comes later. It's the, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He begins to change you. The candle of the Lord is lit. Now the seed of God abides in you. The DNA of Jesus is in you. You're a new creation. You're born again. Okay? When that happens, there are gifts that come from the Father that are invested in you. And here's the list in Romans 12, 3 through 8. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, showing mercy, and leadership. So let's break these down. I'm going I'm to show you that there's a common thread of prophecy through all of it, and I'll explain that. But let's go to serving. Have you ever noticed some people just have a gift of serving? Every time there's something that needs to be done, they just jump up and do it, and it's just in them to do it. They love to do it. They find it rewarding. And in church, it's like once they're born again, the Father has put in them this gift of servanthood where anytime there's a need, it's like they just jump up and they're, they're wanting to get in there and do it. That's a gift of serving. Another one is the gift of teaching. These are those that teach things like maybe at cell group. Uh, those that have Sunday school at their church or maybe children's church or something like that. But they have in them from the Father a grace in them to be able to take God's word and give it. Other people have the gift of encouragement. I love people like that because the devil has plenty of those out there that try to discourage you. And so those that have a gift of encouragement and one of those that really stands out to me, the first person I think of is Pastor Jeremy. Some of you guys know him. He has a gift of encouragement big time. Every time I'm around him, he has so much encouragement that when I leave from being around him, I just feel just the weight lifted off me of anything negative. But that is, that's a wonderful thing. And some of you, some of you have that gift. And if you don't, you know people that do because you get around them and they just build you up. They encourage you. Another one is the gift of giving or it can be translated um, contributing to the needs of other people. And you guys have known people, and there's some of you here. You know people, or you yourself are this way, that, that God uses you to meet the needs of other people. Whether it's financial or food or whatever, it, it's in people. The Father has put it in them that they love to help other people and contribute to their needs. They're very giving. Another person will have the gift of showing mercy. And this is where... Everybody else has written somebody off and given up on them. They've burned bridges. Everybody else is tired of them. But there's this one person that has the gift of showing mercy. And they just won't give up on them. They're like, God's mercy is great enough for this person. And they, they just reach out to them. And it's just the gift of showing mercy. That's a gift. And then another gift from the Father is leadership. And there's certain people... In the body of Christ that have a gift of leadership or a gift of administration where a pastor knows that if there's a job to get done, there's something we got to do, they know that this person, I can put it over them and they'll get it taken care of. They organize well. That They know how to get people together and lead and get it done. These are the gifts from the Father. The next gifts are the powers of the age to come. My favorite phrase for the night. Hebrews 6, 5. 1 Corinthians 12. It's the nine gifts of the Spirit and they kick in when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
Not all of them, but God will definitely give you one or two. But let me tell you this, about the gifts of the Holy Spirit for sure, the Apostle Paul said, I pray for all of those gifts. And he encouraged us to earnestly desire those gifts. So you may start with two of them, but if you're faithful and you seek God, pretty soon three and four, five and six, and you may flow in all of them. But let me break them down. There's three vocal gifts. Tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. It's important that I say this because there's people that don't understand this. Tongues, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, God gives you a supernatural prayer language. And that is just there. I mean, when you pray, you can pray in the Spirit. It's just there. But there's a difference between that. That's why it says tongues with an S. There's a difference between that and a message in tongues. For example, I can be in here praying in the Spirit, just praying in the Spirit to myself, and all of a sudden, God may give me a message in tongues. And I begin to speak that out. It has a beginning, it has an ending, and it needs an interpretation. Unless it's in some language that somebody happens to speak that's present. But it needs an interpretation. There's a difference between the gift of a message in tongues as opposed to your personal prayer language. There just is. And people don't understand that and that's why they come against tongues because they don't understand the difference. Because some things, when it comes to the things of God, it's not just something you can read in a book all the time. Sometimes you need to experience it. Amen? You need to take knowledge with experience and put it together. So the gift of tongues is supernaturally God is speaking through your spirit out of your mouth. It bypasses your soul area, which is your mind. Okay, It's from your spirit, from your inner man. Interpretation. It does not say translation. That's why sometimes you'll hear a 10-minute tongue and then a 30-second interpretation and you're thinking... <laughs> What? <laughs> I've heard that. But it's not translation, it's interpretation. Okay? And let me say this too. This is my opinion. I can't prove this, okay? This is my opinion. But I believe somebody has a strong gift of interpretation. They will be able to interpret a message in tongues, but they will also most likely be able to interpret dreams and visions. It's just my opinion. Because it's an interpretation gift. And then also prophecy. Prophecy is, is just the Lord speaking through you. I'm actually going to come back to that at the end. The three revelation gifts. Discerning of spirits. You need this gift in these last days. If you don't feel like you have this gift, put it in your prayer, prayer journal that I'm going to start praying for this gift. In fact, I'll agree with you tonight if you want me to. But discerning of spirits means that there's a supernatural ability to be able to distinguish is this of God or of the devil. And the problem is, is this is not a gift that's in the body of Christ enough. And so people, because they don't have true discernment, they move out of fear and suspicion and control. They get fearful and they want to be suspicious and control. Or they get prideful and the result of pride is they're critical. And they don't have true discernment. 
So they sit back and I don't like the way this looks. And they're looking at it in the flesh. With their natural, I don't like the way this looks. And so therefore it's of the devil. And they're calling the Holy Spirit the devil. And they're calling what he's doing the devil. So it's important to have the gift of discernment, discernment, discerning of spirits, because the Holy Spirit will enable you to know, supernaturally know, if it's an angel, a demon, if it's of God, if it's the devil, if it's just the person, or if it's the Spirit of God moving. Another gift is the word of knowledge. Supernatural information, where somebody that's preaching may get up and say, there's, there's somebody here by the name of Bill that has a tumor on this side of your body, if you come down, God's going to heal you right now. And then somebody named Bill goes down, there's a tumor on that side of his body, and God heals him. That's a word of knowledge. Because there's no way that that preacher knew that. A word of wisdom is supernatural wisdom for, that, for a situation. See, the things about the gifts of the Holy Spirit is this. You, you cannot turn it on and off as you want to. It's something the Holy Spirit has to move on you and make happen. You may be in a situation where you're really praying about something and other people are praying with you. It's a difficult thing. It's a trial. The church may be going through a trial. And you're praying. that, And all of a sudden somebody goes, well, maybe we should do this. And it was a word of wisdom that came. And all of a sudden they do whatever the word of wisdom said and it resolves the whole situation. Then there's the three power gifts. You have the three vocal gifts, the three revelation gifts. Now it's the three power gifts. They're faith, healing, and the working of miracles. I love the gift of faith. And I'll tell you why. Because there's only so much faith you and I have. I mean, you go into situations where you're having to believe for things that you've never had to believe for before. And it can be kind of intimidating. All of a sudden you're praying for these things and everybody's looking at you. But when the gift of faith comes on somebody, they have supernatural faith. And they can believe for things that they've never been able to believe for ever. And all of a sudden, with boldness and with confidence, they walk right up to the situation and pray. And there's nothing in them that has a doubt anywhere. They, they know it's going to happen. It's supernatural faith. And let me encourage you to pray that that gift be in your life. Because when you minister, everything that you do in faith is going to bear a lot of fruit. Okay, And so there's you need to ask the Lord to let that gift of faith be in operation. Because there's sometimes that all of us in our humanity, you may feel like you don't have enough faith for a situation. All of us have felt that way. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will kick in and supernaturally give you faith. And you're thinking, man, there is nothing going to be able to stop this prayer from getting answered right now. And you just go up there and expect it. And it happens. The gift of healing in somebody's life, you know, self you know, self-explained, if you will, right here. But I mean, the gift of healing, you go up and you pray for people and they're healed. There's some people in the body of Christ that have the gift of healing where when they pray for people, it just flows. And the working of miracles. Miracles are anything that goes against the laws of nature. I mean, if you, if you have five tortillas and you've got to feed 50 people... And you pray for the tortillas, and you start passing them out, and all of a sudden you see that 50 people each have a tortilla. You realize that God supernaturally multiplied your tortillas. Okay? I like Mexican food. That was, that was good. <laughs> and so, 
the working of miracles is where God supernaturally begins to do things that go against the laws of nature. For example, I would consider it a miracle whenever you're seeing, like on the streets, like we've been seeing, where a leg grows out, an arm grows out, or a spine bends right in front of everybody. I mean, it's a working of miracles. Okay. So, whatever gifts God has invested in you begin to flow in them, but earnestly seek that all nine of these gifts be at work in your life. There's no reason they shouldn't be. Now we're talking about the gifts that come from Jesus. Ephesians 4.11 says He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And it is for the purpose of equipping the saints, bringing the body of Christ to unity and full maturity. That's the purpose, okay? But these are from Jesus. It says it is He who gave some, okay? It's Jesus. Apostles are people that have a great authority. What an apostle is, you know, It's translated special messenger, but let me break it down real fast. An apostle, what you'll see in a true apostle, they're very fathering. Because they're reproducing in others what's in their life. They're reproducing that. They have spiritual children. Okay, And it is a very fathering based. It's also, there's um, a pioneering about them. They they don't want to go in and just take over something somebody else has done and that's it. There's always, with an apostle, there's always expanse and building mentality of, of birthing something that never existed, winning souls, and expanding the ministry. There's always like a pioneer type of heart of wanting to see something birth and growing and expanding. Apostles also, also have a tremendous amount of spiritual authority. If God puts an apostle in an area... They have an authority that goes against the prevailing principalities and powers of that region. So there's an authority there that deals with the second heaven. Apostles flow in signs and wonders. And they operate in really all of the gifts here. All of the, the prophets, evangelists, pastor, and teacher. A true apostle will flow in all of that. Now, a prophet is somebody that has a special grace on them from God. It's a gift from Jesus that they walk in revelation in a powerful way. I mean, they see things, they perceive things, and they can walk into a ministry or a place they've never been before, and they can say, right, I mean, they can see it, and they can tell the pastor, the devil is trying to attack you in this way. God is wanting to move this way, and over the next six weeks you'll see boom, boom, boom. And then they can just see it. God just reveals it to them. And a true prophet, obviously, will flow in things with the prophetic, obviously, but also they're given a lot of times to dreams and visions and interpreting dreams and visions in people. But very revelation-based people. And there's an awesome authority. If you remember this, there's an awesome, awesome authority when somebody that's a true prophet begins to come under an anointing to prophesy and they open their mouth and start prophesying it is awesome powerful so that is the ministry of a prophet we know some true prophets I don't believe that everybody out there calls themselves an apostle is in fact a lot of them are there's a lot of people that call themselves prophets but they're not true prophets just because you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet okay There's a lot of people going around calling themselves apostles, so-and-so, and and prophet, so-and-so. But that doesn't mean that it's so. And then, a true evangelist is a soul winner. 
I don't understand where people get off because they have an itinerant ministry and they go from church to church or whatever that they call themselves an evangelist. That don't make you an evangelist. My first question would be, how many souls have you won over this last month? Because if you ain't winning souls, you're not an evangelist. And if you are, you're backslid. So get after it. And these are things that I don't think you can change. I mean, if you're called to be a prophet... And you're sitting around, you can pray and fast for 15 years, begging Jesus to make you an evangelist. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I think you just need to surrender to whatever Jesus has put in your life. But those that are called into full-time, I mean, true ministry like this, it's a five-fold thing. God will put in you giftings for the body of Christ. And of course, I I use Anthony as an example because we all know him, but he's a true evangelist. And you look at his ministry, he's winning souls. And whenever he does win souls, the power of God is out there backing him up too. And something about true evangelists as well, they, they seem to impart to the body of Christ a burden for the lost. A true prophet will seem to impart a love for revelation. A pastor, very common, people, people kind of have a good idea about what a pastor is. But ultimately a pastor is a shepherd and the shepherd feeds the sheep. That's why Jesus kept saying that to Peter. Feed my sheep. The pastor feeds the sheep. The food is the word of God. The drink is the move of the Holy Spirit. And the pastor's job is to protect the sheep from the wolves. And most of the time wolves are people that are being used of the devil. Alright. And then teachers. Somebody that has a true office of a teacher, they will bring the Word of God line upon line. They have a love for the Word of God and they impart a love for the Word of God in people. And they're very detailed. They can be really long-winded about their details because they have such a... (laughs) Seriously. They have such a love for the details. Some people come to mind. After making that comment, I'm not going to say who they are. But... But let me say this, their ministry has greatly impacted me though. And so a teacher, a true teacher though, has a love for the Word of God and will, they will go down and they'll teach line upon line and they'll impart knowledge in people that they need. And they have a supernatural ability to be able to take things, even things that are really profound, and be able to bring it in a way that, that some people that are even baby Christians can understand it. It's, it's a gift. And, you know, somebody comes to mind about that is Dr. Cho. That man has such an awesome gift of teaching. He can take the most profound, deep revelation. Deep revelation. And he can present it in a way that somebody that's been saved for 50 years, a baby Christian, and even a young person can totally understand. It's a gift. These are invested in people when Jesus has called them into the ministry. It may be in their life from birth, because the gifting and calling is without repentance. From the mother's womb, I've called you. But from the time that they're called into the ministry, though, it's going to start manifesting. But let me say this. The Apostle Paul got saved. Remember, got knocked off his donkey. Jesus blinded him. He goes to Ananias' house. Ananias prays for him. He's healed. He's baptized in the Holy Spirit. He goes out into the wilderness for a time, seeks God. Guys, help me out. It was 16 years, something like that. It was a long time, right? Am I right? All right, if you don't know, that's cool. It was a long time. 
He was there for a while seeking God. He ended up at the church in Antioch. And he was there. Now listen to what it says though. It says that there were prophets and teachers there. So it was saying about Paul that he was a prophet and a teacher at that time. But later on, the Holy Spirit, they were in prayer and fasting, and the Holy Spirit spoke to the church and said, Set apart Paul and Barnabas to that which I have called them. They laid hands on him, and thus began his apostolic ministry. But even though it was resident in him, he was not operating in an apostle before that. Some things kick in down the road. You may operate as a prophet teacher for a time, and then all of a sudden the Lord says, Now it's time to start moving in the apostolic, and you move into that. And you can see through the Apostle Paul's life, he was very fathering, he was very pioneering, signs and wonders, authority. But he was a prophet, he was an evangelist, he was a pastor, he was a teacher. All of it was there. It's a good example of an apostle. So the key is to learn how to flow with the Holy Spirit. Uh, let, me, let me say this. I, I said I would come back to this. You notice that the gift of the Father of prophecy, and then you see the gift of the Holy Spirit of prophecy, and then you see the fivefold office of a prophet. That's the one thing, the one gift that seems to go through all of them. This is how that works. What prophecy is, is really just inspired speech. It's God speaking through you. That's really, if you want to give it a basic definition, that's what it is. God speaking through you. When somebody becomes a child of God and they're born again, God can speak through them. Amen? I call that the level of inspired speech. And it could come in the way of a Christian parent. Maybe they're trying to warn their child and say, I, I don't feel good about this. It's not just them. It's the Lord speaking through them. You remember Abraham, Sarah said, if you don't do something about Ishmael, we're going to have a problem. And Abraham said that he realized it was not just Sarah talking, but the Lord was speaking through her. That's what I'm talking about, inspired speech. Now, that's on the level of the gift of the Father. But when you move into the powers of the age to come, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the the gifts from the Holy Spirit, rather, whenever you're dealing with that level of prophecy, there's a new level of anointing and power in it. When somebody is under an anointing and they begin to prophesy the gift of the Holy Spirit prophecy, it's electric. You hear what I'm saying? It's explosive. There's a power in it. It's not just inspired speech now it's explosive powerful okay and then you have the office of a prophet and that's a whole nother realm of the prophetic there does that make sense so our job is to learn how to flow with the holy spirit and move with him in cooperation with him you know dr cho wrote that book he said the holy spirit my senior partner Because he learned how to move with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has got to be the one in charge leading you. You've got to flow with Him and you've got to learn how to flow with Him. You've got to learn how to flow with Him in your personal prayer life. Because you get up in the morning and you haven't had your cup of coffee yet. Your hair's all messed up. you got your morning breath. You're making your coffee. And what you need, you need the Holy Spirit to come and help you pray. Amen? And when He comes, His presence comes... You start learning how to move with Him in prayer. He starts moving on you to intercede about this and all of a sudden about that. And and He's flowing and He's showing you and He'll lead you to something in the Bible to read that day. And and there's a move of the Holy Spirit. And when you learn how to move with Him and cooperate with Him, you will start learning how 
to do what you see the Lord doing and speak what you hear the Lord speaking. And as you do that and you learn how to move with the Holy Spirit, you begin to become more and more of a window for heaven to invade earth. And you begin to be somebody that the Lord will release revelation through. And when you when you pray, the Lord will show you things and you'll take authority. I could give I may give examples, but it's important that you learn all of us learn, but I feel led to park here for a moment, that's okay. Because I feel there's some people really hungry for this. And I know that God is sending revival to America. I want to be ready. You want to be ready. And God is wanting to use people that have learned how to operate in the supernatural. Many times when I'm praying for people, I will see something God shows me. And I know that when I see it, that's what I'm supposed to be praying about. I've seen sometimes with people different things. I have literally seen... A few times where I've prayed for somebody and I saw an angel come up and I don't announce it. I don't make a big thing about it. But I saw the angel come up and so I stepped out of the way because the angel was praying for me. And then they were slammed by the power. There's been times that I saw something of the devil in somebody's life. I saw like maybe I've seen things like this over the years where they had something around their mind and it was around their head. And I would go up to them and as soon see the Lord showed it to me for a reason. As soon as I put my hand on their head and I break this man, they would, I mean, it would be just as explosive. Heaven collided with the work of the devil and broke it. But it's important because when you see it, you know what the Father is doing. You see what I'm saying? There's a thousand different things you could be praying for that person. But when God shows you something, you know that's what the Lord is speaking right now. That's what He's doing right now. I've seen times where the Lord, uh, I go up to somebody to pray and the Lord would show me a vision of something. Not something literal on their life, but now like a vision where I saw maybe a door that was opening unto them or something like that. You would see a vision. And so now that you're seeing this, now the gift of interpretation, you've got to interpret it to the person if you can. And say the Lord is saying that there's a door opening for you da, 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 and begin to expound on whatever it is the Lord's trying to say to them. Also, I've had times where I was praying for somebody and God gave me a message in tongues and an interpretation for that person right there. Or just a simple prophetic word. God is wanting to do this, this in your life. Boom. But many, many times I've had that. I mean, you're praying for people and all of a sudden the Lord just tells you. I mean, you just know it. And that's the thing about this. You can't really teach this too much. You've also got to experience it too. And some of it has just got to be with you getting into the flow, you know. Because I can sit here and say all this, but whenever you're flowing in it, you know what I'm talking about. Because I've had times when I was praying for people, and all of a sudden I would see the Lord wanting, and it was just you know and you're knower. That's the only way I can say it. You just know. And it's like the Lord is about to touch your eyes and increase your spiritual vision, and you're going to go to a new realm of, of prophetic things happening in your life, and you lay hands on their eyes. And I've seen people where the power of God shot into their eyes and the Lord anointed their eyes in a new way. You see what I'm saying? But it's important to, to move with the Lord about what He's doing. And another thing, I talked about doing what you see or speaking what you hear, but another important thing is to also understand that you're battling the forces of darkness in people's lives. And when you're praying for people, ultimately, 
the, the whatever it is, a sickness or whatever bondage they're dealing with, it is a work of the enemy, ultimately, okay, in one way or another. I'm not saying that every sickness is necessarily demonic like there's a demon, but it's ultimately from the devil. And so you've got to use your God-given authority over this stuff. Do you hear what I'm saying? I don't even know the amount of times that I've, I've gone up to people and prayed and I'm like, anything that is not of Christ's kingdom, I destroy it and command it leaves this person's life right now. And how many times I felt just... And I don't always know what it is, but whatever it is, it's leaving. Because you have to use your authority. If you go up to somebody, you can go up to somebody all day long and pray for them and they may feel God's presence. But once you use your authority and you say, in the name of Jesus... I destroy every work of the devil, anything of the devil's kingdom, out right now. Once you do that, then heaven invades earth and there's going to be a breakthrough. The power of the Holy Spirit will back that up. Angels will back that up. But if you don't use your authority, then it's not moving things. Do you see what I'm saying? We can ask the Lord, Lord, won't you do this? And Jesus said, I already did. I took stripes on my back for their healing. I hung on the cross and shed my blood for their deliverance. I died nude and impoverished so that they could have their needs met. I've already done what I'm going to do. Now you open your mouth, you lay your hands, and you take care of it. You take authority over it, and then the Lord will back you up. Now ultimately, you cannot heal anybody if you want to. You can't heal a fly if you want to. You can't. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that when you use your authority, the Holy Spirit will bring the healing. Okay? But learn to flow with what you see and what you hear. That's so important. The benefits, I also wrote down the benefits of praying in tongues. We're going to close with this. If people want prayer tonight about anything else, I'm always available. But one of the things I've learned is that the impartation that you receive from the Lord, every time I'm around the anointing or anointed service, I try to get prayer from people because there's always more than what we have. You know, people park at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Got my prayer language. You know, I can give a message in tongues, interpretate. And they think that they have arrived. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that there is more. My question to you would be, is your shadow healing the sick? Okay, have you raised the dead recently? So there is more than what we have. And being open for the Lord to take you to new places of anointing and new places of authority. So the benefits of praying in tongues, it edifies yourself. That means it strengthens you, like charging up a battery that's been drained. It, you utter mysteries. Great revelation comes. Many of the sermons and many of the revelations I've gotten over the years have come as I prayed in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit prays through you the perfect will of God. That's very important, because we need to be praying the perfect will of God, and we don't always know the perfect will of God, but the Holy Spirit does. And when you yield your tongue to Him and let Him pray through you, He will pray the perfect will of God. It's part of your armor. A lot of people don't know that. The helmet of salvation. 
Breastplate of righteousness. The last thing mentioned is that you pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Because it's part of your spiritual warfare and armor and that you walk in victory. It sharpens your discernment. It just does. It makes you more sensitive to the, to the Spirit. It builds up your most holy faith in Jude 20. Now, the Bible says we speak in tongues of men and angels. If you speak in tongues of men, that means you're speaking like Spanish or German or something. Which that can happen and does happen. But when you're speaking in tongues of angels, you're speaking a heavenly language. It's not earthly. And in my opinion, I can't prove this, but I don't believe that the enemy knows what you're praying. And there's a benefit to that. Some people say, well, it's not a big deal. Well, it's not that big of a deal because the enemy can't stop God. But let me say this. How much easier would it be that you have bypassed several ambushes because the enemy had no idea what you were praying? I don't know about you, but I, I like bypassing some ambushes from the devil every once in a while. You stay in the perfect will of God because the Holy Spirit's praying over you, so you're going to stay in the perfect will of God. Also, you're strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit in your inner man. Your spirit man is being strengthened. And it's true worship. Jesus said true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. So it's actually true worship that's in spirit. That's why you sing in the spirit. The Apostle Paul said what? Singing and making melody. It's worship in the spirit. But I want all of us to begin like never before, releasing the kingdom of God, operating in the supernatural, operating in the powers of the age to come and being a window for the kingdom of God to come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? So as you use your authority and rise up, destroy the works of the devil. Jesus said, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons freely you have received, now freely give. But understand this last warning. Don't allow yourself to get puffed up about it because Satan loves to deceive people with pride. You know, if you truly are an apostle or prophet or whatever, it doesn't mean you've got to go around tooting your own horn everywhere you go. You don't have to flash all your degrees everywhere you go. Every time somebody's healed or whatever, you don't have to you know, jump around, look at me, I prayed for them. Because you know somebody else could have prayed for him and they would have been healed. Nobody could have prayed for him and they would have been healed. Jesus could have just healed him if he wanted to. And ultimately, just because your hand or my hand is on them, we couldn't heal him if we wanted to. It's actually Jesus that did it. So he deserves all the glory. So every time God ever uses you to give a word, to have a message in tongues, to pray for a sick person, to drive out a demon, always back up and say that was the grace of God in that person's life. It was the Lord who did it. And stay humble before the Lord. So here's how we're going to close this out. I'm going to pray. If you want to flow in this in a new way. And you feel like you want prayer tonight. I'm here to pray. For people and Father. If y'all would stand with me just for a second. And just worship with me in the spirit. Just pray in the spirit with me. He's here.
I want you to think about for a moment what gifts are in your life, especially the gifts of the Spirit. And if there's a gift of the Holy Spirit that you have not operated in, but you want to operate in, I want you to mention that to the Lord right now as you pray. Say, Lord, I've never been used in this, like a word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, prophecy, whatever, faith, working of miracles. And I want to be. Just tell the Lord if there's a gift right now that you, you want to begin to operate in, and I can pray with you and I come into agreement with you that the Lord will begin to let that release in your life.